0: Welcome to The Parenting Puzzle, piecing together the best care for our kids, like me. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me on The Parenting Puzzle, piecing together the best care for our kids. My name is Grace Kodama, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist in California. I've been working with kids and families for over 10 years now, and I'm a mom to two boys as well. Each episode, we're going to be diving into topics that are relevant to raising kids in today's world, and we'll piece together the perspectives of different providers and other important people that are working with us in raising our children. Okay, let's get started with talking about the question I get asked most often from parents. How do I deal with tantrums? or outbursts, or blowouts, or meltdowns, whatever you'd like to call them, we as parents are far too familiar with the tantrum, especially the one in public. My favorites are the ones in public. Um, Whether it's an infant, toddler, child, preteen, or teen, tantrums or outbursts can sometimes be the bane of our existence. They're embarrassing, they're exhausting, they're annoying, and they're time-consuming, and I could go on and on and on with adjectives, as I'm sure you guys can too. Now, in order to understand how to manage a tantrum, first we have to understand what happens in our child's brain and our brains uh, during that meltdown, and understanding how the brain works, particularly your child's at your child's specific developmental age, can be the first breakthrough to altering how tantrums are managed. Uh, So let's start with some brain basics. First, the brain develops in a hierarchical way like building blocks from the ground up. It goes from the least complex, our survival, to the most complex, uh, doing calculus. Second, how we take in information or experiences is from the bottom up, okay? For the purposes of our talk, I want you to picture these building blocks organized like an upside-down triangle. Four areas called the brainstem, diencephalon, limbic, and cortex. This is all taken from Dr. Bruce Perry and the work of the Child Trauma Academy. I'm going to give you a brief overview of these four parts because it's necessary to understand what happens to a brain during an outburst, okay? The brainstem, this first part, is the bottom portion of our upside down triangle, and it's responsible for all the autonomic or automatic functions that keep us alive. Our heart rate, our metabolism, our body temperature, our breathing, these are all mediated by our brain stem. And it's really important that it's autonomic because if we had to remember to do any of these things, we'd be in trouble. We wouldn't be able to focus on anything else if we had to remember to breathe or to make our hearts beat. So that's our brainstem. survival mechanism. The next part is our diencephalon, and from my understanding of Dr. Perry's teachings, our diencephalon houses all the functions for keeping us regulated. Think stable, steady, calm, protected, safe. Here lies our appetite, our sleep cycle, our monitoring and response of safety or threat, and more. Um, And this is important because, again, we need to survive um, and we need to make sure we are taking care of the things necessary for successful survival. Now, above the diencephalon is our limbic system. And this part is yet a little bit more complex than the two before. Our limbic system mediates our feelings or emotional reactivity, uh, our relationships and attachment, and our pleasure or reward system. When we're given a compliment, when we laugh at a joke from a really good friend, or when we level up on a game we're playing, this is our limbic system. Finally, the most complex and the top of our upside down brain triangle is our cortex. And when I explain this to kids, I call our cortex our school smarts, but it's actually much more than that. Um, It's our verbal and math capabilities, our reasoning, our logic, our creativity, our problem solving, and much more. Our cortex is the last part of our brains to develop, which makes sense because our bodies need to focus on getting that whole survival thing down before worrying about math. Um, And in our very little children, our cortex has yet to really develop and organize itself. It's it's a work in progress, which also makes sense because have you heard a two-year-old's logic there is really not much logic or sense to it, uh, much of the time. Um, uh, my son who just turned three a couple weeks ago through, um, the other morning threw his hash browns across the table and onto the floor. Um, and when I asked him why he said, because it was hot, it was hot. So I threw it and I don't really know what throwing hot food, how that would help him feel less hungry, but that's two year old logic for you. You know, not much cortex there yet. Um, Okay, so that's our brain basics, four parts of our brain, all responsible for different functions from least complex to most complex. And there are two most important takeaways that I want you to remember from our brain basic, and it's this. Number one, information or experience gets taken in from the bottom up. Um, And number two, what I haven't mentioned yet is that the brain is kind of like Jenga, Have you guys all played Jenga, you know, the the tower of blocks where um, you pull out, you know, different blocks here and there and you try not to be the one who makes the tower fall? So if if you're messing with the bottom, the top will crumble eventually. So for example, if I'm hungry because I haven't eaten and I slept only three hours last night, how well do you think I'd be able to have a philosophical debate with you or write a 10-page English essay? Um, or for instance, let's say I heard a creepy noise outside, and I saw some shadows moving out my window, and my heart is racing, and I'm kind of sweating, and I don't feel safe. How good would I be at a calculus test right then and there? Um, so if my experience is being understood from the bottom up, and I've I've messed with, or I've yanked out a bunch of the bottom pieces, like my heart rate, uh, my sleep cycle, my uh, stress arousal, or sense of safety. Um, then my creativity, my problem-solving, and my logic that are housed in my cortex, they, they've all crumbled. They are inaccessible to me until those bottom blocks have been restored. So now let's apply this to a similar yet simpler brain basic. Um, Dr. Bruce Perry has matched that same upside-down triangle that he and CTA developed into three simple R's. Regulate, then relate, then reason. So regulate, then relate, then reason. Um, to me, this means that in order to a- access our whole potential of our brain, we must first be regulated. Our brainstem and our diencephalon must be humming along nicely. We, we need to feel safe, satiated, calm. All that needs to be in good working order. Only then can we relate to others, to be in relationship, to connect with them. And then only after we've connected can we then utilize the most complex of our parts of our brain to reason, to problem solve, to be logical about the problem that's in front of us. Does this make sense? I hope so. We'll keep coming back to this, or you can just listen to this part over and over until it sinks in. And don't worry, it took me a bunch of times too, okay? But now that we have a couple extra minutes in our 15-minute time window, I wanted to just take this opportunity to dive a little further into the brain and its development and you know from the beginning I've said that understanding how the brain works will help us as parents understand how to manage tantrums differently but I also want to highlight that what happens to your child when their brain is developing is also important to know because it will tell us how much support they'll need when they're in a meltdown and it can also help explain their behaviors and their difficulties maybe how sensitive or reactive they could be. So, these are a couple brain development basics, okay? The first one is this our experience influences. Our brain's development. And I've kind of said this from the beginning already, but I'm going to just expand on that more. That when we are raised in a nurturing environment with safe, secure relationships, with predictability, with just calm and steadiness around us, we develop a well-wired brain. And that is because our environment can support and not interrupt the development of those four fundamental parts of our brain triangle okay, the brainstem, the diencephalon, the limbic, and the cortex systems. And when we are in a safe nurturing environment with adults who love us and care for us consistently, we're really supporting that well-wired brain. In contrast, if we're raised in an environment with chaos or neglect or abuse or unpredictability or violence, then our brain gets wired differently and we tend to be more vulnerable. And I'm gonna define what vulnerable could look like in just a little bit. Um, So remember how we discussed before that the brain develops sequentially, starting from in utero in that mom's belly and continuing through to infancy and childhood. Um, So the, the second brain development basic is this. Depending on when a child is exposed to different stressors or different traumatic events makes the part of the brain that is developing at that time most vulnerable or sensitive so remember how we said the brain goes from least complex to most when it's developing so think about the functions that are developing first our brain in our brain stem and in our diencephalon you know that's our appetite our heart rate our blood pressure our metabolism our sleep cycle our ability to sense uh, safety or threat these are the parts of the brain responsible for keeping us regulated, right? Um, and we said that means safe and stable and calm and protected. So if a baby or a child is exposed to a traumatic event or ongoing stressors, then this child's ability to regulate will be wired differently and be more vulnerable than if that traumatic event happened in adulthood. So let's expand on what vulnerable could look like. Um, it could be look like poor impulse control, explosive anger, high anxiety, mood swings, behavior problems in school, possibly sleep issues, appetite issues, poor attention span, just all the things that keep us steady and regulated. And then remember that our brain develops sequentially so that the, the bottom part is the building blocks for the top. So whatever happens to the bottom is going to affect the top, okay? And we'll keep talking about this more in detail in future episodes. But the takeaway is this. Our children need us to provide them with a nurturing and secure, safe environment, as well as nurturing, secure relationships to ensure that their brains get well-wired. Because unlike us as adults, they are much, much more vulnerable to long-lasting damaging effects in the age that they are now. And Dr. Perry puts it this way, that the very same sensitivity that makes you able to learn language just like that as a little infant makes you highly vulnerable to chaos, threat, inconsistency, unpredictability, or violence. And so children are much more sensitive to developmental trauma than adults are. And I really encourage you guys to listen to the the 60-minute segment with Oprah um, on trauma-informed care that featured Dr. Bruce Perry. I think it aired about a week ago. It's probably on YouTube. Um, it, in that, Oprah asked him one simple question. She asked, what is the difference between the child who experiences the chaos and the unpredictability and the violence and overcomes it and the child who ex- has that same experience and doesn't? And falls into what we may call like a sad story, whether it be substance abuse or homelessness or jail or whatever it is. Um, and Dr. Perry boils it down to one word relationships. And Oprah renamed it love when she was talking about it a little later. It's love or relationships that buffer and protect us from the hardships that come into our lives. And it's love that helps us overcome and makes the stress we experience bearable. You know, it's love that makes stress tolerable and a learning experience because we have the support and belief in us from those around us. So as we go into discussing managing meltdowns i just want us to spend a couple minutes reflecting on how we can utilize a meltdown to to demonstrate our love and our care for our children because during a meltdown a relationship is kind of put to a test because that relationship kind of breaks down at that moment and honestly this is when what you do with your child matters most how do you help them through not just the easy times but through the hard times through really overwhelming emotions, through fear and anger and hurt and pain. And trauma-informed care um, asks us to ask each other, what happened to you, not what's wrong with you? And how many times do we do that as parents where we're literally saying out loud, what's the matter with you right now? Instead of respecting their brain and respecting what their brain has gone through, respecting how their brain has developed and saying, what's What's happened to you? What's happening in your brain right now? And what can I do to help with that? And to also, let's think about that relationship is our primary objective with our kids, right? I'm under a good assumption that we all want to have strong, healthy relationships with our kids um, that go well into old age for us. And so relationship is what's broken down during a meltdown. And that's what needs repair for learning to happen, okay? So that's it for our brain basics and our brain development basics. Coming up next in part two of our Managing Meltdown series is learning the process of getting mellow. You'll find out what mellow stands for and how to use this tool for getting you and your child through a meltdown, all while minimizing frustration and maximizing learning. So stay tuned and take care. Thanks for listening. We love questions. Email us at printingpuzzlepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much!